The Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Maybe you've had it said to you before. Maybe it was a deadline at work that you had to meet. It was time to meet the, that sales numbers that you have been told by your boss that you had to meet. Or, or maybe it was back in school when your grades just weren't good enough. And your teacher or your parents said to you, it's time to sink or swim. Have you had those words spoken to you? They're kind of they're like, make you feel kind of lonely, right? It's all on you. It's, it's do or die time, right? It's sink or swim. You've got to do it or else. Right? It doesn't feel so good to hear those words sink or swim. And maybe that's kind of your life's motto, isn't it? Sink or swim, right? You, you can just kind of feel like you're just trying to keep your head above water all the time. You're just trying to survive, just trying to swim, and you just feel exhausted. Like it's sink or swim for life. You think about the struggles you have in relationships or, or, or the things that you battle inside of yourself that maybe no one else knows about. Or you think about the world that we live in and all the, the difficulties and the struggles and the, all of it going on, and it just feels like you're in this storm. You're just battling. Like it's just sink or swim. And as a Christian, it shouldn't be this way, right? For a Christian, it shouldn't be sink or swim. Because we have promises we have our God who comes to us and, and assures us, right? He comes to us and comes and addresses what the real problem here is, right? It's, it's doubt. It's doubt. It's doubt in the promises of our God. Right? I mean, we hear a promise from God like, I know the plans I have for you. The plans to prosper you and not harm you. The plans to give you a hope and a future. And our response is, God, that sounds great, but... But can I get just a little glimpse at the plan? I mean, at least, you know, part B, maybe subpoint two, maybe just a little bit. That's all I want to see. Just give me some sort of assurance. And we have doubts. And we hear these promises of God. Or maybe the one that says, God works all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And you hear that promise and you say, that sounds really, really nice. But God, how do I know for sure? 
how do I know that all of this stuff going on in the world, you're going to work for the good of your people? How do I know for sure that you are working through all the suffering and difficulty and pain in my life and in my relationships, that this is really going to be for my good? How do I know that? How can I be assured of that? Right? There's doubt there. Or the promise that God makes that, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Don't, don't worry. Seek first after the kingdom and his righteousness and all of these other things will be given to you as well. Right? We hear that promise of God and we think, yeah, wouldn't that be great to not have to worry <laughs> about where I'm going to get the money for next month's rent check or where I, how I'm going to uh, supply what I need for my kids? I, wouldn't it be nice not have to worry? Right? There's doubt in these wonderful promises that God makes to us. Or the promise that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Right, that sounds really wonderful, but how do I know that's for my sins? Yeah, God, it says for the world, but, but what about mine? What about the ones that I commit over and over and over? What about those ones that were so bad? Are those forgiven? How do I know God? Right? We hear and we know these promises of God. These, the four that I mentioned, you, you know these well. You've heard them many times. But often it feels like we're sink or swim. You're on your own. Because these promises don't seem to be true, or if they are, how do we know for sure? There's so much doubt that comes. And, and how do you feel? I mean, you feel wore down. <laughs> You feel kind of helpless and hopeless as you just try to battle through life day after day after day, right? Looking for some kind of help. And maybe that's how the disciples felt that night. They already had a long day where we pick up in our gospel lesson. They've been with Jesus, helping him, uh, taking care of the people, preaching, teaching, all of these things, being Jesus, you know, support as he does his miracles and and, and then Jesus goes off, and, and they're told to go across the lake, a lake that they knew very well, the Sea of Galilee, one that they've been on many times before. And they start out, it's already evening, and a storm comes up. It was a pretty bad one. Uh, they're about halfway across the lake. It's, it's a seven-mile-across lake, so they're, they're about you know, three, three-and-a-half miles out, and it's already 12 hours into their journey. 12 hours to go three-and-a-half miles. Because the storm is just fierce, and it's raging. And even though they're experienced on the water, they got to be getting tired and maybe even a little afraid. Wondering, how are we going to get out of this? How long can we last? Maybe this is the end, right? It's kind of a sink or swim type of situation for them. What are we going to do? And then on top of that, they see it looks like a ghost coming to them, walking on the water. Oh, great. Now we got to deal with a ghost, right? And on top of all of this. But that's when they hear a familiar voice. That's when they hear Jesus say, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Right, maybe for a moment there, there's some comfort there, because this is Jesus, this is their Savior, their friend, and he's walking on the water, right? But Peter's not quite so sure. And so he says, Lord, if it's you, right, prove to me that it's you, tell me to come out on the water too. And Jesus says, come on, Peter, come on out, the water's fine, right? And just imagine, Peter, right? just the bravery it took to, to take one step out, right? And kind of feel the water a little bit, right? And then 
to put that other leg outside the boat, right? And then maybe at first he's trying not to put it, he's maybe holding onto the boat and he's not trying to put his whole weight down, but then he lets go. He's standing on the water. Peter's standing on the water, right? And, and he's got to feel pretty good right now when he starts to walk towards Jesus. Just imagine how he felt. The courage he had. Jesus said, take courage. And here Peter's got to be filled with courage. The guy's literally walking on water. And maybe you know how that feels too, right? Courage. Like you sometimes, you feel like you can walk on water. <laughs> maybe it's after you leave here. Right? Because you come here and you hear these gracious promises. You hear about your sins forgiven. You hear about heaven and how heaven is yours. You hear about how God is with you. Right? And, and, and he's there to protect you and provide for you. And you walk out of here feeling so good like you can walk on water. Right? So encouraged by what you've heard and what you've seen. Or maybe right, you start out your day in your devotions or reading your Bible. Right? And you're like... Put it down and you're thinking, I can take on the world today, right? You feel like you can walk on water because you've been reminded again about these promises of God and how much he loves you and what's planned for you and what he's done for you. And you feel like you can take on the world, but then what happens? Yep, there come the storms <laughs> and the wind and the waves. You walk out these doors of this church, and it's the same world as when you walked in. <laughs> It's the same stuff going on all around you, right? You, you put down your Bible, your devotion book in the morning, and you go into your day, and it's the same sicknesses you've got to face, the same job that is, is causing you so much stress that you've got to go to. Right? You've got to deal with the same problems. And how easy it is to begin to doubt, to fall back in that sink-or-swim mentality, to take our eyes off of Jesus, and again, feel like we're sinking. And that's what happened to Peter, right? He looked around. He saw the wind. He saw the waves. He heard the crash of the lightning. Uh, and he saw the, the, the wind and the, the rain. And, and he takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins to sink. He actually begins to drown. And how long do you think he struggled? We don't know. But how long did Peter try to get back up on that water on his own? How long did he struggle and try to, get, try to get out before he cried out, Lord, save me? And how often aren't we the same, are we? We struggle when we don't have to. <laughs> we think we got it, and we don't. Right? We put so much faith in ourselves and our abilities to try to control our lives and fix things in our lives that it only makes it worse, doesn't it? Because the harder you try to keep your head above water, the more tired you get. The more wore down you feel. The less energy you have. And you begin to sink all the more. How often aren't we like Peter and finally, with the last straw, <laughs> Lord save me. And frenzy does, doesn't he? Every single time. Did you hear how it happened here with Peter? Peter is sinking, beginning to sink. He's afraid. He cries out, Lord, save me. And it says, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Immediately. Jesus doesn't let him struggle there for a while. He doesn't say, come on, Peter, try harder. Come on, you can do it. Ah, you got this. No. Jesus knows he doesn't have it. Jesus knows he can't get himself back up on that water. Jesus knows that without his help, he's going to sink and drown and die. And so Jesus immediately takes his hand and picks him up and takes him back to the boat. And he says, you little faith, 
why did you doubt? And I, I don't take this as a, a, a uh, knock on Peter or, or some, it's just, it's, it's in love. Peter, why did you doubt? Why did you have little faith? You were walking on the water, right? How could you have such little faith? How could you doubt like that? And friends, isn't that a good question for us to ask ourselves? How could we doubt? How could we have such little faith when we know what a great Savior we have? Because in those times when he comes to rescue us, and he always does, when he comes to save us from our doubts and our fears and our worries and our anxieties, and all those times that he comes to save us, look at those hands that save. They're not ordinary hands. Those hands that reach down to pick you up, they're hands that heal. Hands that have fed thousands. Hands that are filled with mercy and compassion and love and kindness. Those hands come to save you. Those hands that, that blessed people from infants to adults are the same hands that come to bless you. And take close note of those hands. See what's in them? Those are nail marks. Where nails were pounded through where he hung on a cross for you. Those are displays of his love that he still bears today. Those nail marks in his hands to prove his love to you, to prove his faithfulness to you, that he was not willing to let you drown in your sins, that he was not willing to let you die in hell, but instead took your place, took your punishment, and allowed himself to be drowned in your sins to be drowned in the wrath of God so that you would never have to. There on that cross, forgiving every one of your sins, every time that you have doubted his promises, every time that you have trusted in yourself rather than him, every time that you have taken your eyes off of your Savior and thought that you got it and that you're okay, all of them forgiven. Look at those nail marks of your Savior. The one who comes to rescue you from your doubts and your fears and your worries and your anxieties. The one who comes to you and says, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Look again to my cross. Look at my love for you. Look at my faithfulness to you. And how can we not, along with these disciples, simply say, truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are God himself. Come to save me. Truly you are my savior and my brother and my friend, my rescuer. It's noteworthy to make mention of that Peter was not saved because of his faith. Jesus says you have little faith. You don't, right? He wasn't saved because he had such a strong faith. Peter was saved because of the object of his faith, of Jesus Christ. He is the one who reached down and saved him. He is the one who acted. As we just sang in our hymn, by grace I'm saved. Grace free and boundless. That's the only reason that we are saved, because of the grace of Jesus. And friends, how important it is for us to remember that too. As we go through the storms of this life, as we go through the struggles and the, and the difficulties and all of these things that seek to drown us and make us sink, that it's not how strong we are. It's not how great our faith is. It's not what a strong, faithful Christian we are. But it's all based on how strong 
and faithful our Savior is. The one in whom we place our faith alone. Not in ourselves, not in the things of this life, not in the people of this life, but in Jesus alone. The one who by grace says, you are mine, and I will keep you safe. You see, for a Christian, it's not sink or swim. You're not on your own. <laughs> it's not good luck. It's sink or savior. Those are the two choices you have. Sink or savior. Either sink in all of your doubts and fears and worries and anxieties if you're going to depend on yourself and struggle through this life and you're going to end up drowning. <laughs> or look to your savior. The one alone who saves. The one alone who can rescue you. The one alone who says, I will keep you safe. You are mine now and forever. You know, when a, when a storm is raging on the ocean, right, that those, those waves can be huge, right? Just huge and crashing against each other. And you got the lightning and the thunder and the rain. It's a tumultuous scene. But you know, just a few feet below the surface of that ocean, it's calm. Quiet. It's peaceful. And what a picture of the life of a Christian. On the outside, the storms rage. <laughs> there is thunder and there is lightning and there are things that are threatening that would make you feel afraid. But down inside, down inside this heart that's filled with faith through the gift of the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin and death, there is peace. There is tranquility. There is calmness, that no matter what's going on on the outside, inside, I'm okay. That my Savior promises to keep me safe, now and forever. See, friends, it's sink or Savior for us. Sink in the doubts, in the fears, and the worries of this life, or cling to that one who's already holding on to you, to your Savior, who says that you are mine, now and forever. I will keep you safe, and God will grant it.